Welcome in lacrosse fans to the first episode of the Utah Lacks Report of the 2022 season. My guest this week is Marty Westcott, who's literally done everything in the state of Utah for the sport of lacrosse. He and I had a great chat about all the different things that he's done, talked a little bit about UVU, where he's currently coaching, and a lot more. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, Marty. How are you? Um, doing good. You know, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, another lacrosse season. It's my, uh, 37th lacrosse season. So, you know, <laughs> okay. I, I started in the spring of 2000 and thought I was old. So, yeah, so I'm only at 23 yeah, seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me today. You, you know, just as we were talking beforehand, you've literally done it all. Uh, there isn't, you know, an aspect of, of lacrosse that you haven't done. I'm going to try my best to uh, give justice to each one of those avenues. And so why don't you just start though, by telling us when did you start playing lacrosse? Sure. I started playing lacrosse as a sophomore in high school. I grew up in Colorado. So this would have been in 1983. Um, I played soccer growing up and my soccer team kind of disbanded and kids went different ways uh, between the eighth and ninth grade year. And my buddies said, hey, why don't you come for lacrosse? And our football coach was involved in lacrosse. And so we were like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And that's when I picked it up. And then, you know, you played uh, lacrosse in high school in, in Colorado. You come over to, to go to BYU and, and play on the club teams there. You know, a, miss, a mission sandwiched in between. That. What was it like playing at, at BYU in, you know, the, the late, nine, late 80s, early 90s? Well, I guess we kind of call ourselves the ragtag fugitive force. I mean, it was not like it is today. You know, it was very ragtag. It was very, you know, nobody had the same kind of helmet. Nobody had the same kind of gloves. And, and we came from all over the country. So we, at BYU at the time, and really still today, you know, we had kids from Virginia, New York, a couple of kids from Colorado. And then we had, you know, kids from scattered all over at that point. You know, we had a kid from Washington and California and a kid from Canton, you know, a couple of guys from Canada. And so, you know, we were a pretty good team just because we actually had a lot of players who had played, you know, competitive lacrosse in high school. And, and so you have this team, uh, you know, like you said, it's kind of a ragtag. It's all these different guys. I mean, back in those days, Marty, how, how did you find games? How did, how would you actually schedule games? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. It was difficult. There was a league in the, in the West coast, which is, you know, currently the West coast lacrosse association or, you know, whatever they call it now, there was a West coast league that was California schools. And in the early nineties, that was the only league that existed. And we didn't belong to that league, but we would just schedule teams with those or games with those teams rarely did we have any home games we would maybe have one or two home games a year and it really would require us getting a colorado team so colorado state or colorado or colorado school of mines coming to byu and then playing a team from you know california so santa barbara or arizona somebody would come up and they'd kind of meet in the middle and that was pretty much the only way we would ever get a home game um in the 90 92 ish um, the Rocky Mountain Intercollegiate Lacrosse League started, and we were part of that with Colorado, Colorado State Air Force at the time, had a club team. I um, <clears throat> uh, can't remember who else was in it, but it was just the beginnings of, you know, what uh, the club lacrosse leagues are today, but it was the first organization of that. So we really weren't in a league until 92. Okay. And then uh, you finished, or you actually mentioned in those days, there were, you were a player coach. Right. And, and so how, how does that work? 
Yeah, well, it, it was a little tricky. So in 92, I took over as a player coach at uh, my last two years. So I was in charge of all the administration, all the scheduling, uh, all the interaction with the school, all the financing, budgeting, and everything else, as well as the on-field coaching, which is tough to you know be a coach and try to instruct and encourage your friends <laughs> as teammates. And you know that was just you know kind of a fine line to walk because you know as as any coach knows, there's nobody that's perfect out there. So you don't want to come across as you know the guy that knows everything when you're the one you're making mistakes too. Um, so, you know, it was a challenge, but I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it, it was, it was a very, very busy time, you know, it required, it, it was, you know, I tell people all the lessons I've learned in lacrosse and that was a, a lesson in time management, you know, mm-hmm. running the lacrosse team, I had 18 credits, I was married and had three jobs, you know, and that's, that's what we did. We drove, we drove vans to all of our game, you know, we drove, mm-hmm. we didn't have, we didn't fly, we didn't have buses. And, you know, you did it because you absolutely love to do it. And that that's why we did it. There was no glory in it at all. You know, there was no glory in it other than we love the guys that we played with and we just love the game. Sure. You, you know, and that's kind of the root of, of why a lot of us are still around, right? It's, it's we love the game and we love the guys that we meet along the way. And uh, not a lot's changed in that regard. Obviously, almost every other thing has changed <laughs> since then. Uh, you were, you were after BYU, you were part of the, you know, the original high school, uh, leagues that started, you were in those initial meetings. What do you, what do you remember from those early days of, of Utah high school across? Well, so, uh, you know, I was in the first meeting with myself and there was Bob Kavner who was at Waterford at the time <clears throat> and Joe Weiss. If you remember, he was the high school commissioner for a while back in the early two thousands and kind of associated with the Brighton program and then Mason Goodhand who, uh, you know, did a lot in terms of forming the ULA and coached at Utah and coached at Westminster and, you know, did a lot for, for Utah lacrosse. And the four of us were in a meeting and, you know, we just, we just tried to organize it. At the time I was a little busier. So Mason really was the guy who took the bull by the horns and, and ran with it. I was, you know, I helped out with some initial uh, high school coaching in 94. We had a, we started the first high school league. I mean, there's only like six or eight teams, but we had a couple tournaments and, played together and then uh, started a team in 97, 98 in South Davis County, which was Bountiful, Beaumont, Woods Cross. <clears throat> and, and then was at Utah for a couple of years in the late 90s, 98, 99, 2000. And so it was just kind of in those startup times, with those programs, just helping things get going. And you talk about your, your time at the University of Utah. Uh, you know, that was probably, it was back when, what was the league called? It was the USILA, was that what it was called? Yeah, it was actually just so it was the USILA, but they were affiliated with um, the MCL. The MCLA had just started back in like 97, okay. 98, somewhere in there. And Jason Lamb was part of that. And, you know, and, and that league had just started. And so we were part of that. But there was an affiliation with the USILA back then. And, it, you know, there was in the late 90s, there was a lot of, you know, kind of fracturing of lacrosse leagues and new leagues coming out and the MCLA had just started, you know, back in that time. Sure. And then after your, your time at Utah, you know, you're doing uh, a little bit of media here and there with BYU, this or that. And then in Bountiful, or in, in 2006, you end up coaching at Bountiful for 10 years. And you didn't say this when we were talking earlier, but I, I believe you won two titles there. Is that right? We did. We did. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, so Steve King and 
a couple other people, Rick Volkerson kind of <clears throat> recruited me to come help at Bountiful at the time. They had sons playing and, and I was fortunate to be there for 10 years and the parent group there was great. The organization was great. The players were great. And, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a really good time. My son got to play there, you know, got to play as part of the Bountiful team. And, you know, we were able to grow something that uh, before I was there, I think it had only been in existence two years. <clears throat> and then, you know, in, you know, within a couple of years, we'd won two state championships and a number of conference championships and had a, a number of players that were just, you know, great guys. And some of them went on to play college and had a couple of kids that played division one out of that program. And so it was, uh, it was a great program to be a part of. Yeah, you know, and, and I've run across a couple people who were in those years uh, that you coached them. You know, I think of uh, like Bradford Davis, uh, obviously the, the Taylor brothers, Christian Taylor and James Taylor. And they talk about their time at Bountiful fondly and, and how cool it was and how great it was. And, and you're still, Marty, you're still one of the, the I think you're the only team to ever win a title out uh, in from Davis County or north of Salt Lake County, for that matter. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, in, in Division One, there might have been some other Division Two, you know, or sure, division, sure. whatever they call it. But yeah, I think in the top division, we were, I think we we're the only one to win a championship. And we had, you know, we had great players, and it started with a group of friends. And David Jordan um, was involved there. David Jordan's sons played, and David Jordan played in college, so he brought his sons up, and they got their buddies to play. And you know, we just had this great nucleus of players who you know, stuck together and, and, you know, made it a really good program. So, and, and is David's son, Peter, who's the head coach there now? Yeah. So Peter's the coach now. <clears throat> I know his other brother, uh, Zach has helped out from time to time, but like you said, the Taylor brothers who coached at Farmington and, you know, uh, coaches that have been at uh, coach Hanks, that was at Woods Cross who was, you know, helped us out at Bountiful coach Perry, who was at Woods Cross helped us out at Bountiful. And we've got a number of other players who have now kind of joined the coaching ranks, which, you know, for me is a thrill. It's a thrill to see those guys give back to the, to the game. And, you know, even just this last Saturday, we had some guys that I had coached come down and we just a little scrimmage for the review team and to see them come play be with their wives and kids. And, you know, for me, that's, uh, you know, that's ultimately why we're doing this. Totally. And then after those times, you, you uh, went to Olympus and uh, coached there, but then the, the tricky part is, is you were also coaching at BYU at the time. How, yeah, how does that work, Marty? <laughs> yeah, I love I loved the Olympus opportunity. They were great. Again, great parents and program, and people have been so great to me uh, in terms of you know just allowing me to 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 coach. and And they were awesome. Holly Dunn and you know uh, Clay Murphy and some of these guys you know from the Olympus program it were awesome. Um, but I was I was coaching also at BYU at the time. Um, my son was down there and. I just couldn't do both. And so I ended up leaving Olympus, um, you know, to kind of focus on coaching at BYU at the time. And then you're, you're there for a couple of years. Like you said, you coached your son while he was there, Chandler, obviously. And then, and then now you're at, at UVU. So you're kind of making the rounds. Let's see. So we, we need to get you coaching at, at probably Westminster in a couple of years and then probably Utah state, and then you'll have it covered. Yeah, I do think probably the only one to coach at Utah, BYU, and U UVU. You know, that's uh, certainly <laughs> uncharted territory. So, tell tell us about the the twenty twenty two you know Wolverines. What uh, what can we expect? Uh, you know, we're we're really excited about what we've got. I I took a different role this year uh, when I went on to you when I came on to UVU. I was the associate head coach with Coach Barnhill, 
And <clears throat> with some business things that I've got going on last year was just really taxing. And so I took a little bit of a step back. We brought on Colin Maxfield as the associate head coach. And he's a, an East high grad who played at Utah state and then at Southern Virginia and has coached with us two years ago, then went back to Southern Virginia to coach and is back with us. And then uh, <clears throat> Kevin Bloss, who, you know, Tim and yep. Kevin's been around the Utah lacrosse community for, I don't know, six, seven years now. And, tall, you know, tall, blonde drink of water, who is just a fantastic coach, uh, comes from, I think, Vermont or somewhere back east. He'll, he'll, he'll have to correct me, but, um, you know, and just is a great coach, you know, just loves the technical part of it, is a great, you know, uh, influence on the kids, you know, a little bit more old school in his approach to things. And so those two guys are kind of <clears throat> running the offense and the defense. And you got a lot of us older guys who are you know, kind of helping, supporting in different roles and uh, Todd Arvin and, and Carl Cooney and, and, and Coach Barnhill and, and some other great uh, positional coaches that we've got. But, you know, it's a younger team. Um, you know, if you look at our top 10 offensive players last year, we only have two of them that uh, are still with us. Um, just, you know, guys got to the point where they're kind of ready to move on. And um, But it's a – it's <laughs> we're trying to play a very – up tempo style of play a little bit more chaotic um <clears throat> which you know we're, we're learning seems to be a little bit more of a trend right now but we feel like uh we can make up for some inexperience with some you know just some hard play and some maybe strategic uh, advantages totally and, and like you mentioned uh you know kevin blah obviously been around uh here for a couple of years you've if you've been to tribal west in the last few years you've <laughs> probably seen him there um, yep. you know, you, you tend to run into him wherever lacrosse is, uh, cause he's one of those guys that, that loves lacrosse. And then Colin, an interesting story, obviously, um, he, he's, uh, his older sister married one of, uh, a family friend from high school. Who's also the <laughs> pianist in the, in the killers, the band, the killers. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, <laughs> very, very interesting. And, and Caitlin, his sister is a, is a famous artist. So, yeah. uh, definitely a cool family. Um, so excited to see what he can do. I remember running into him at ski at, uh, it was probably ski town last year and him telling me he's back and, and ready to roll. And I was, I was really excited for him and, and for UVU as a whole. So you've a awesome, awesome staff down there. What, what sort of, you know, in a couple words, maybe what, what would you pitch is UVU's sort of what, what separates it from the other MCLA programs, but also just programs in Utah? Uh, well, I, I will say that our program is, is very unique in terms of the makeup of the student body. You know, we have a lot of different, uh, very diverse group of kids. You know, a lot of them are really making sacrifices to play, you know, in terms of, you know, working and, you know, just trying to do everything with their schoolwork. And, and uh, you know, I, I think what that does is it really sets them apart in terms of, you know, they play lacrosse because they really love it. You know, they're carving out the time to, to make it work and make it happen. Um you know, we're, we're a little bit younger, like I said, and, and we've adopted this mantra this year of we over me. And we just had a really good buy into that kind of idea of, you know what, <clears throat> your individual stuff doesn't matter. You know, it's all about not only how the team performs, but the support that the team gives to the individual, both on and off the field and <clears throat> you know what we're trying to do there. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that we maybe surprise some people this year, you know, and, uh, we're really pushing the guys hard and they've responded uh, really well. And that's, you know, that's what we want. You know, if, if you come to play lacrosse at UVU, we're going to make you into a, a faster, uh, you know, you're going to have to adopt a faster, more chaotic style of play. And, 
you know, it's been, it's been received really well so far. Sure. And, and, you know, obviously um, your success has been rewarded in the preseason polls that came out, you guys were ranked in the, what was it? I just wrote about it today. 15th? Yeah, we're 15, 15 and one, 13 and another. And, you know, those are who knows really this year. I mean, you guys, <laughs> for you, sure. You have teams that haven't played in two years. I mean, Colorado hasn't played in two years. Cal hasn't played in two years. Cal Poly hasn't played in two years. Perennial top teams, you know, South Carolina didn't play last year. So, I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're happy where we are. I don't know if that's where we belong or not, but you know, the thing we get to tell our guys is, Hey, we'll get to find out, you know, because we'll get to prove it on the field. So. Sure. And, and I don't think there's a poll more scrutinized than the MCLA poll. So I'm sure uh, things will, will come out here as the games progress, which is exciting. Um, yeah, it, it is tough. Cause it's a very, I mean, there's a very diverse group of schools, you know, I mean, and schools that have a whole different level of support. I mean, we love the support that UVU gives us. But it's not the same level of support that some of these other schools get in terms of financial support and resources and things like that. And so when I talk about guys having to make sacrifices, that's part of it. You know, they're willing to, you know, financially contribute to, to make this dream happen for them. So. Sure. Um, okay. So that's, I think we broke down your coaching career pretty, pretty good there. There's also this other part, though, of your club coaching career. And you've been uh, part of a, a bunch of different teams. Uh, you started Advantage Lacrosse in 2010. You did Team Six. Um, you know, kind of recently, 801 Tribe. You've been, been involved with the Wolverine uh, Club team, and then also this thing called the Stripling Warriors that I don't know too, if too many people know about. So let's talk real quick. Uh, let's talk about your 801 Tribe because we before we were talking about how that group's kind of kind of done, so to speak. But talk about that team. Yeah, so 801 Tribe was actually a couple of parents came to myself and Kevin Bloss uh, about five, six years ago and said, hey, you know, we've got a group of kids. They're not really satisfied with their club experience. We want to put a group together and just have you guys coach it. And I went, fantastic. I don't have to do the admin and collect money and schedule the fields. And, you know, I just have to show up and coach. I'm in. So the whole idea behind that was this parent group would run the team. And we ended up having four different 801 tribe teams with each individual team having its own parent organization that ran that team. We shared the same name, yet each team was run <clears throat> independently. And, and that allowed us then to take a group of kids and develop them over time because they weren't worried about, well, am I going to get cut? You know, if I'm not good enough, it gave them a year or two, whatever to develop. And we had kids on those teams that, yeah, you know, if we were cutting kids when they were in eighth grade, they would have got cut. But by the time they were sophomores, they were contributors. And by the end of the team, you know, everybody on the team is a contributor. You know, everybody feels like, hey, I'm part of this team. I contribute. And so this idea of taking a group of kids and developing them over time is something that I've really felt has been missing in, you know, club lacrosse in general, where we have a tryout, cut kids, you know, and just take the best players and, you know, that's great for those 20 kids, but what about the rest? What about the other hundred? You know, there needs to be an opportunity for them. But anyway, so that's kind of what 801 Tribe was about. And we just, well, Kevin and I have had some different scheduling things and, and the 24 team still exists and the 25 team still exists. Um, we're not coaching those anymore. And then our 22 team was kind of our final team to coach and they ended up with a great tournament in Sandstorm. It was great. And that was just a couple of weeks ago in, in the 22 division that, and you guys won, right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah won our division and 
guys played great. And again, the thing I love is we're, we're underestimated wherever we go, you know, it's like, Oh, there's just this nobody team from Utah. And, and, and to look at us, we're not physically imposing over anybody, but the team knows how to play together so well, they are successful. Sure. And then also talk about uh, the Stripling Warriors club team, because um, it's unique in its mission. And then just also, you know, the tournaments and events and the things that it does. Uh, so myself and Jason Lamb, Jason Lamb is the head coach at Southern Virginia University. And we played together at BYU back in the 90s. Uh, we, we were just talking one day and we, we, we wondered if we could follow the model of the FCA, which is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which mm-hmm. Fellowship of Christian Athletes has club teams, not just lacrosse, but basketball and soccer, and, you know, different um, sports teams that they will bring in kids of, from all across the country, different regions who share, you know, their Christian faith, and then they, they play together, you know? And so we wondered if we could do that kind of in an LDS environment. And we started talking to some of our friends who had sons and we just started putting a team together and we did this. uh, I think we started about four years ago, something like that, four or five years ago. And just, you know, just started doing uh, tournaments where we would bring a group of kids together. We'd bring them in a day early practice, um, you know, kind of, it's just an opportunity for kids of a similar faith to share some experiences and, and share some time together and then go play some good lacrosse. And that's what, you know, we, we said, look, we're going to, we're going to give you a good experience, but the other part is we're going to go play some really good lacrosse. You're going to get some good coaching. And we had, you know, we've had a lot of success. We've had, we've got kids playing all over the country in different, at different schools, um, you know, playing college. And, uh, and we had some, some very, very good players play on that team. And it's, you know, it's fun for us just to see them now interact with each other you know, uh, either post tournament or, you know, just being able to see their success, you know, on the field, you know, we've got kids playing D one, all the, you know, different, all different levels of NCAA and MCLA that have played on that team. So, and, and we had some success. It was, it was hit and miss because every tournament was different. We had a different team. So some tournaments we did really, really well and some we didn't do so well, you know? Sure. And then, you know, kind of the other aspect of, of your lacrosse career has been on the admin side. Right. Um, You you and uh, Renee tribe started the goal and then that kind of developed into the, the UHSLL, which was a a second lacrosse league at the time, you know, without going into the politics of it, because there were a lot at the time, (laughs) what was sort of the crux of, of, you know, starting a league. And at this point in time, it was a competing league. Right. And, And so what sort of went into that? Well, we just, we just felt like we could have a, a little better result. You know, we felt like things could be a little bit better and, and have the kids have a little bit better experience, have the parents have a better experience and, you know, financially make it a little bit more, um, uh, you know, above board. And, and so, you know, we, 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 we tried to have some discussions about it. And at the end of the day, we felt like, okay, we could do this and, and I think we could be successful. And so we did. And, um, you know, some people may or may not agree but I feel like uh, the goal was a great success uh, in terms of what it produced on the field and what it produced off the field. Um, ultimately, uh, I am lax. So it was originally the Utah Lacrosse Association that became I am lax. And then the goal and I am lax uh, uh, kind of came back together and it was the right time for it. It was the right thing. And, you know, I think we made the game better by both parties kind of as we separated, ha- we both had to do things better. You know, we had because we now we're kind of in a, a little bit of a competing environment. And so we had to have a better product. 
at the end of the day, I think that that was better for the lacrosse parent, for the lacrosse player, um, you know, for officials. You know, I think at the end of the day, it was better for everybody. Um, kind of the same thing in high school. You know, we we uh, we had some, you know, some of us coaches had some issues with just administratively how things were being handled. And a group of us got together and said, you know what, let's 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 do our own thing here and see if we can't make some better some things better. And again, I, while it was maybe painful and maybe some people didn't like it, uh, I think at the end of the day, it did cause and, and it really caused people to change and, and maybe fix some of the challenges that we were having. And, you know, it lasted a year and, and we met after that year and decided that it was in the best interest of everybody to kind of come back together. And, and that's what we did. And, you know, it, it laid the groundwork for the ability to, to get sanctioned, you know, uh, a couple of years later. So um you know while some of them while some people may or may not agree with it i I do think that both both of those kind of uh opportunities uh, were successful in their own way and and provided you know some growth for this for the game of lacrosse here in utah which was really that's all i was at the end of the day all i've ever tried to do is make the game better you know maybe at the sacrifice of my own circumstances or my son's circumstances or whatever i i love the game and i just wanted to make it better Definitely. And, and I think obviously looking back being, you know, a handful of years removed from those two leagues, that that was the case and that was the result. Uh, it's hard to argue that for sure. Um, talk about your favorite lacrosse memory. I, I'm sure you've got, you know, hundreds, but if you could, you know, talk about just one memory from the last 30 plus years, what is it? Uh, okay. Well, I, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really difficult one. I mean, cross has provided me a, t- I mean, just so many great, great memories and, and so many great experiences with so many parents and players and administrators. I mean, it really, it, I am so blessed to have been able to do what I've done with the game that I love. Um, that being said, the first thing that comes to mind was a loss. Um, our, our bountiful team in 2014, 15, I can't remember exactly the year, um, played a, a stacked corner Canyon team that ended up with four different players playing division one. And I think four or five other players playing, you know, college elsewhere. Uh, we were not deep. We had about 13, we played about 13 guys. Um, but we had a lot of really good players. Uh, you know, Jace Thomas was the best faceoff kid I've ever seen um, in high school. Uh, Dallin Hampshire in goal, you know, Brock Jepson and, and, you know, Chandler, you know, playing attack and James Clayton. And, you know, so we had this kind of this team that, you know, nobody knew about. And, you know, we were up by six goals going into the fourth quarter. And uh, I think they're freaking out a little bit. They ended up coming back. We ran out of gas, but we lost by one, but couldn't have been, you know, I, I've always told people, I'm like, I, I don't care if we win or lose. I really don't. As long as we don't have any excuses. And they didn't, they, they just left everything on the field, did everything they could against a team that was just way overpowering to them and lost by one in like the last minute, you know? And so that, that's one of my favorites. And there, I look, I, I've got hundreds of them and there've been, you know, championships are great. And, you know, some of these things are great, but you know, honestly, a loss was my, my best experience. Sure. And, and I think you're, was Cam Redmond on that team? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cam, Cam Redmond was on that team. He was, and I, I think you're leaving out one of the Fabrizios. 
Um, nope, nope, no, 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 was it in between not, them? No, they were that was right after Jack graduated, okay. so you know, and uh, yeah, so we had, yeah, it was it was a it was a crazy fun little team that, yeah, we literally, I think we only played 13 guys and right. we, just, we just ran out of gas. <laughs> that wasn't that yeah. was a great little team. What, what about your favorite venue? You know, if you've probably you've traveled all over the country for lacrosse. You know, if, if you could pick anywhere, regardless of cost to, you know, play one game, where would you take your team? Um, well, I, I didn't, uh, when I was, I got to say BYU in a championship at Dick's Sporting Goods. That mm. was, that's a pretty cool, it was pretty cool. I got to take my sons and, you know, coach snack let us, you know, I wasn't coaching at the time and, you know, my sons got to go in the locker room and, be a part of kind of that experience. And so that was kind of cool, you know, being on the field at Dick Sporting Goods Arena. Um, you know, there's, I don't, man, there's been some really cool places that we've been. I, you know, some of the mountain venues for tournaments, you know, Lake Tahoe and, you know, Vail, you know, those are awesome places. Bend, Oregon, you know, or, you know, just beautiful. Uh, I hate going to Vegas. I hate it. <laughs> me, me too. I refuse to go. It's the worst. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing against the uh, lacrosse there. I just, I, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, it has been, oh, well, you know, and I got to travel a little bit, we, you know, back East with some trips and, you know, Georgia Tech was, it was really cool. Uh, VMI, uh, Virginia Military Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the coolest places, honestly, um, <clears throat> have been the academies. So mm-hmm. I've been to, so with the Air Force Academy, I got to play there as a player. Um, when I was at BYU, we played there. Um, I traveled to West Point with uh, the BYU team uh, as a, a, guest, a guest guest coach. And then with Stripling Warriors, we went to the Naval Academy. And I, I mean, really, I guess if you're talking the coolest places, those three places are the coolest places. They're awesome. Sure. Just in terms of what they represent, the level of lacrosse and the experiences that we had there. Sure. I have been to one of those. I've been to the air force Academy, uh, when Utah played there, uh, in its first D one year. And it's just, it's unique. You, you can't describe it. It's, it's very cool. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're almost sacred places in terms of just, you know, what happens there and, and the, the level of commitment and just the military code that they have to, to live by. I mean, it, those are really special places. Totally. What, uh, who's, who's a player that, that stands out, not necessarily maybe for their skill, but, or, you know, maybe it is, I don't know what you, you mentioned, Jace Thomas, obviously one of the best faceoff guys to ever play in Utah, but mm-hmm. who are some of these players that like, you know, this person stands out because they would always do this before practice, you know, something, something like that. And you're going to get me in trouble with that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> You know, I'll start off with my son. I mean, he, you know, he, I'll, I'll, I'll brag about him, you know, cause he, I didn't have to push him, you know, like he became a great player and yeah, I can, I'm, I'm happy to say he was instructed the right way, but I never had to push him. He, he did it. Everything he accomplished, he did because he worked on his own, you know, um, you know, the, I don't, man, you get it. Just to touch on him real quick, though, he, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he went to actually late in high school, right? Yeah. So he went late in high school. They didn't have a team at the time. And uh, technically, then what, what you have to do is you have to play the closest team. Um, but I was coaching at Bountiful. So he would have had to play at Davis. And I was coaching at Bountiful. And so we petitioned the league and 
they basically created a specific rule because myself and Bray Burbage were in this situation where we were coaching at schools and our sons were going to, they were going to, they were attending a different school. So the league made a rule that if the coach was a existing coach, not, not just hired to bring their son with them, but if the coach was an existing coach, then the son could play there. Um, that was before the UHSA or the, before it was sanctioned. Sure. Um, but he got to play at Bountiful because of that. And, and I'm sure it was unique for him though. Cause he, I mean, he's the only lacrosse player at his school, you know, in his classes day to day, talking to teachers, this and that, and, and then going and traveling to play uh, at Bountiful. Well, it's funny because in the yearbook, they did a little thing about him that, you know, they, he's like, it was Layton's only All-American. Like that was the title of the article in the, in the yearbook. Okay, okay. High school only All-American because, you know, I mean, Layton has some good good uh, teams from time to time in basketball, football, wrestling, whatever. But at the time, you know, he was an All-American and uh, Layton didn't have any All-State or All-American caliber athletes at the time. So it was a little bit unique and, and they kind of featured him you know, because of that. Sure. What, uh, I mean, Marty, you've done so much for, for our state and for our sport. I mean, what's left? Where does, where do you go from here? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I actually, I'm trying to kind of find my new footing with my new role, um, which I kind of, you know, look at it as this, uh, you know, old wise sage, maybe, you know, I'm the, I'm the wise <laughs> owl on the sideline where I can kind of, you know, uh, whisper into Colin's ear, Hey, maybe look at this, or, you know, go over and touch coach Bloss on the shoulder and say, Hey, this guy, you know, look at this, or, you know, maybe just see things and they're not, I'm also trying to have better relationships with players. Um, I think it's something that I haven't, I haven't done well, you know, I, I've done a, I think I've done a good job in managing groups and coaching large groups and administrating things and communicating. What I haven't done well is, I think really have better one-on-one relationships with players. And so that's what I'm trying to do this year at UVU is be a little bit more of the, Hey, how's it going coach? Instead of the, I got to kick in the butt coach, you know, and I've definitely changed as a coach over the years and, you know, uh, people have changed, society's changed, but that's one thing I'm trying to change in terms of what I'm involved in. I don't know. We'll see. I, you know, I, I bought a little screen printing embroidery business about a year and a half ago and, that keeps us busy, but I don't, I don't foresee me not being involved in lacrosse at some level the rest of my life. Whether we like it or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some people are like, oh, geez, get out of here. You know? um, but, and, and that, and, and, and that, I get that. Like I, I mean, coaching is a young man's game. Like it is, it's, it's sure. you know, the last couple of years, it was physically taking a toll on my body and, trying to coach as much as I was. And um, I love it, but to, to be a good coach requires a lot of energy and a lot of physical dedication. And, you know, it's, you know, that's why you see a lot of these young guys getting these jobs because it's a, it's a young man's game. What, what advice would you give to it? Uh, You know, maybe a a high school coach who's in his mid to late twenties, you know, what, what would you tell them? Keep it simple. I mean, I think we overcoach lacrosse to, to an extreme level, you know, keep it simple. I mean, the game is passing, catching ground balls and playing one-on-one defense. If you can do those four things, you'll win 60, 70% of your games in, in high school, you know, 
the, the, the team, and this, this, I won't take this quote, it's Jordan Harris. Jordan Harris said, look, the team that passes and catches better wins every game. Every game. So it doesn't matter if it's Hopkins-Syracuse. The team that passes and catches better wins every game. And we don't spend enough time at it because kids get bored with it because we make it boring. You know, make passing and catching fun. Make it challenging. Make it fast. You got to do it at speed. I mean, anybody can stand there and throw and catch a ball. But you have to do it at speed. And if you can develop those, you know, uh, skills, you'll win games. So my advice to young coaches is be keep it simple. You know, there's 800 different types of offense you can run. Just run one. Pick one and run one and become great at it. Defense, focus on one-on-one defense with a simple slide package. That's it. You know, and do it fast. Do it efficient. You know, be the best at it. And, you know, you just, you don't have to overcomplicate things. You know, we go to a conference and listen to, you know, Petromala talk about, you know, Syracuse slide packages or whatever. It's like, he's talking about the best players in the country. Sure. You know, we're talking about kids that are just picking up the game. Keep it simple. Um, you know, pass, catch, ground balls, one-on-one defense. And if you really focus on those, you'll be successful. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, I think in the few times that I coach, I, uh, that's what I try to do. And it, and it works wonders. It's uh it's definitely awesome. Anything else you want to talk about? The, the floor is yours. Uh, the high school should get a shot clock. That's, okay. That's, I didn't say controversial things. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> College yeah. should extend the box back to 10 yards. And no. mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, look, I, I, I tell, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll kind of share this. this is This is something that players that have played with me have heard. And, you know, coaches have heard and parents, you know, that, that are around me, they've heard this, which is, I think if you're going to play this game, you're going to be great at it. You really need, you need to know why. why. Why are you doing that? I mean, if you're doing it to be with your friends, okay, but you won't be great. Like, you have to, you, you have to decide, do I want to be great? And if you do, you got to have a why. And I have, I have five very specific whys of why I'm involved in lacrosse at all, right? One is that I love the game of lacrosse, period. Love it. I love everything about it. I, you know, there's that scene of Denzel Washington walking on the field and remember the Titans. It's like, this is my, this is, this is where I belong, right? And I feel that way every time I walk on the field. I, I love it. I love being a coach. I love helping young men. I love playing the game. You know, I, I still play in the summers a little bit. You know, I'm a little out of shape right now, but I, I still play in the summers a little bit. And love to play. Love everything about it. I love the challenge of, uh, so number two, I love the challenge of taking something and making it into something, whether that's developing a team, whether it's an individual player, whether it's a program or organization, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. I love the challenge of that, you know. Uh, Three, I like doing something that I feel like I'm fairly good at, you know. Um, There's, there's always things to learn, you know, and you know, I love having Kevin and and Colin around because they're teaching me things now that are, you know, kind of more, I guess, on the edge or the cutting edge of the new things or whatever, the new way of thinking in lacrosse, which is great for me. Like, I I love the challenge of of learning new things, but, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at this. And if you can find something in your life that you can enjoy, be good at, and then 
whether earn whether it's earn a living or have a have an impact on your community with it. I mean, you, you're you're lucky because most people go through life and they don't find that they don't find that impactful thing that they have in their lives where they can impact people. You know, uh, I love being part of a team. I love being a part of a team. I love associating with the players and the coaches. And, you know, I just love the camaraderie of a team. And again, the, the life lesson of every situation almost that you're going to be in, in life, you're going to be part of a team, whether it be work, whether it be a family, whether it be a church group or a, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're part of a team, you know? And so if you can learn the dynamics of working with the team, um, you're going to have more success, you know, in life. You know, and so I just, you know, there's just, there's very specific things. Oh, and the, la the last thing here, which is actually probably the most important is it, it allows me to, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm playing lacrosse or on the field or whatever, I'm solely focused on that thing. And you'll find, you know, and, and you know, this Tim, as well as most adults, it's like, you have so many distractions in your life and so many responsibilities and so many things that you're, you know, that can, that you that occupy your thoughts and your time and your attention um, for two hours a day. I don't have to think about any of that. It's a, it's a great relief and, and a great refocus for me to be able to go on the field and just say, Hey, this is what I'm doing for two hours, whatever else is out there. Can't fix it right now anyway. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it well. And that kind of focus I, there's only a couple places in my life where I can get that kind of focus. And there, there are some with, you know, family and some, some church things and things like that. But, you know, in, in the, in the, in the world out there, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. So I've really kind of looked at these things as, okay, these are the reasons why I do it. It propels me to try to be great. And ultimately that's, what's fulfilling. And if you can find that, you know, I think it's great. And, and that's why I encourage players. And we always encourage our players to say, find your why, why do you do this? There's too, we ask too much of you, like it's too much of a sacrifice. There's too much. And, and we find kids that aren't willing to do it at the, at the end of the day. So if you're willing to do it, you should have a reason and you should know what that reason is. And you should really make that, you know, a focus. So anyway, that's, you know, if I leave with the philosophical ending, that's kind of what it is, is, you know, find your why. And, and, and lacrosse for me has provided a why, which then bleeds into the rest of my life, you know? the amount of time I've spent on the cross field has probably been a little irresponsible, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, if you add up the number of practices and the hours and the times and the games and whatever else, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of time. My, my family has been very supportive and very understanding and very, you know, um, you know, kind of right there with me all the time, which has been great. Um, cause you can't, you know, I've, I've seen too many guys also that, you know, it, it ruins their relationships. Lacrosse can ruin their relationships because they let it take over, but, um, you know, they've been super supportive. So, you know, I'm blessed that way. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm fortunate to have been able to do what I've done with the game that I love. Totally. And, and you saying that last part, uh, makes me think of something I heard where, um, I believe that it was at a coach's convention and, and one of the guys gets up and he goes, Hey, everyone, look at your wedding rings. And he goes, championship rings don't matter if you don't basically championships aren't as important as your wedding ring basically is what the crux of it was. Right. If it, if it means losing your family over it, it's not worth it. So to your point, it, it takes a, it takes a great family to support. I obviously have that on my end as, as well. 
as my wife's texting me asking if we're done yet. <laughs> but uh, well, so I got, she, got to coach my back. two sons, and you know, I've got to coach my two sons, and uh, my daughter's never really played, but you know, I've tried to make sure that I'm at their stuff, and you know, my wife is she's become a lacrosse expert, you know, she'll come to our games and she'll, she'll give a critique afterwards of, you know, why our defense didn't do this or why our offense didn't do this. And I'm like, yes, you can come to practice next week and ask <laughs> the same questions. My last question for you, what percentage of your wardrobe has the word lacrosse on it? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'll say uh, a year ago, probably 80%. Um, okay. I've actually pared it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I've tried to be a little bit, I've actually said, okay, I need more balance in my life. And one way is probably to change my wardrobe a little bit. So <laughs> I haven't done that, but I would say right now, 50. Okay. Yeah. And then, like I said, a year ago, maybe 80. Yeah. I like it. So, that's, that's fair. <laughs> that works. And it's, you know, and the good thing is that, you know, I still have uh bountiful, you know, bountiful gear and Olympus gear and team six gear and, you know, advantage gear and, you know, 801 tribe gear and, you know, uh, you know, not so much Utah and BYU, but, you know, I, I have, <laughs> I have, you know, I have a lot of good memories with, sure. with those experiences. And so it's actually hard to, you know, uh, kind of just give that stuff away. Sometimes my wife's like, you can't, can't get rid of, I mean, I, I probably have, you know, 60 jackets. Sure. <laughs> That have all that have all been from lacrosse, you know. Sure. All, you know, and when I said, "Yeah, get rid of some of these jackets." I'm like, I will, I will sometime. <laughs> you know, it, it might be fun, Marty, to just start an Instagram account where that's all you post is just your vintage lacrosse shirts. Hey, you know what? I, you know, I'm a terrible uh, social media guy. I am terrible at it, and so maybe maybe that's a niche I can fit into. Maybe yeah, it might be interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for taking some time today. I, I appreciate it, Marty. We, we could go on for hours because you've done a lot for our sport and uh, you know, thank you for all that you've done. And we look forward to seeing what UVU has to offer this year. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you on the sidelines. Yeah. Welcome everybody. To, anybody wants to come watch us, we invite you to come watch us and, and uh, you know, appreciate you, Tim. I mean, you do a great service for the lacrosse community that is, trust me, I know is unheralded and, underappreciated um so i'll say on behalf of the community we thank you for what you're doing and giving us all a little bit uh, more to chew on and a little you know kind of feed our lacrosse <laughs> our lacrosse bug and so you know thank you for for your efforts and you know i've known you around for 10 15 years now and uh you've done nothing but just try to support the game and be impartial and you know give people the facts and you know uh, we need more people like you so I, I have tried to do all of those things, sometimes not well, and, and occasionally I have done them well. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that though, Marty. And yep. thanks again and uh, good luck this season. All right, hey, thanks Tim, appreciate it.